All right, we gotta throw some of these soundtracks out. Um, all right, Cool World. Keep it. Uh, Tommy Boy. Keep it. The Crow. Throw it. Mm. All right, Repo Man. Keep it. Wedding Singer. Keep it. Godzilla. Throw that motherfucker. The Batman soundtrack. Keep. Ah, Shaun of the Dead. We haven't done that one yet. No. Ooh, Let's hold on to that for a yes. minute. Yes. Right. Yes, indeed. And welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rockin' good time talking about all of our favorite movie soundtracks. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I will be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight, as always, is my lovely, belligerent, and spooky co-host, <laughs> Libby Cudmore. Libby, what's shaking? Oh, it's uh, it's cold here. It's October. It's beautiful and sometimes rainy in upstate New York. That's what October looks like. I'm getting ready to uh, figure out what coat will go best over my Halloween costume. Mm, yes, <laughs> I just spent a week in Florida where it was it was uh, sunny and 86 all week, and it came home to cold and rainy. So I'm definitely ready for some Halloween action. Yes, and that's uh, that's where we find ourselves with our uh, our soundtrack tonight. What are we talking about? Uh, tonight, we are talking about the soundtrack to 2004's Shaun of the Dead. Uh, this is, uh, I think this is the most recent movie soundtrack we've covered on the show so far. It is, um, indeed. We haven't really broken into the 2000s yet. And part of that's just because, like, the age of the soundtrack kind of dies off around the, the, the millennium. And so you just don't get that many good uh, soundtracks, or movies just don't care about you know, curating good soundtracks anymore. But one director who definitely does is Edgar Wright. Yes, indeed. And uh, we actually debated this a little bit last time, which one we wanted to start with, because the soundtracks to Hot Fuzz and At World's End are also great. But we decided it's October. Let's uh, let's start with Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, and we'll definitely get to those other ones eventually, because yes, honestly, I don't think there's a bad Edgar Wright soundtrack in the bunch. Nope. Like so. it, they're all at least like fun and eclectic <laughs> and interesting. So, and the movies themselves are great too. So there's a lot to talk about. Which one's your favorite? Honestly, I feel like yeah, I feel like this is kind of a trick question because like Shaun of the Dead is my favorite movie ever all time. Nice. So <laughs> yeah, we're just it's, it's all downhill from here for me. Ah, the Hot Fuzz is my favorite, but it's because I I love obviously detective shows and cop yeah. movies. So of course, I felt like yeah. that one was made for me. <laughs> yeah, so like, I, there's not really a bad Edgar Wright movie in the bunch. We, that's debatable, but like, you kind of have to admit that he really knows what he's doing when it comes to like putting together a script and a soundtrack to match it. Agreed. Agreed. So, uh, but before we get into Shaun of the Dead, let's talk a little bit about last week's episode. Uh, so, Libby, uh, what happened with the poll from last episode? All right, we ran another battle royale where we had eight of our 10, uh, 80 singles misfits and broke them down to uh, to a final one versus one. So in uh, round one, the winner was Oingo Boingo's Dead Man's Party with 44%. I'm a little disappointed in all of my Babylon sisters and fellow Yacht Rock 
uh, enthusiasts who only could muster up 25% for Donald Fagan's Century's End. Uh, your favorite song, Who's Johnny, got 17%. <laughs> and We Don't Need Another Hero got a very disappointing 14%. You people are all monsters. I am literally, like, shocked about so this angry. because it's just it's ridiculous i know and so I, but, angry but i will say though that like that spread is pretty even like dead man's party is obviously the winner but like we, they're all they're all winners in my book yeah well we picked some really good ones so part two um call me also won with 44 percent uh princes of the universe got 30 percent again my yacht rock fam did not come through and only gave sweet freedom 22 percent of the vote and Cindy Lauper's Hole in My Heart got 4% of the vote. Yikes. Ouch. So that left uh, the final fight to Call Me and Dead Man's Party with 59% of the vote. Call Me won. Dead Man's Party got 41% of the vote. So still, that was a, still pretty even. Like, yeah. I think w- that just showed that you and I have really good taste in weird 80s movie soundtrack songs. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> And I have a feeling that somebody out there is listening to this show, because as I was driving home from Florida over the weekend, I heard Call Me and then Sweet Freedom in relatively <laughs> close proximity on the radio. That's the best. So whoever you are, serious Radio DJ, thank you. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It would have been great to hear who's Johnny on the radio, but alas. <laughs> it was not to That's be. okay. You just... Uh... You just have it in your uh, in your head permanently. It, it lives in my heart forever. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of movies that live in my heart forever, let's talk about Shaun of the Dead. Yes, let's indeed. Are oh, you going to okay. talk about it? Oh, okay. I thought you were just going to run with it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is a movie from 2004, kind of at the right at the start of like the zombie revival craze in the mid 2000s. And this movie exists at a point in time for a a young Joseph Wade who was just getting into movies and just getting into like, like classic rock and music in general. And it just hit that sweet spot for me where all of a sudden this was, this movie was everything I wanted in the world. (laughs) See, I didn't see this in theaters. I don't like horror movies at all. They freak me out. Don't like zombie movies. I don't like blood, but Ian saw it and so he sort of screened it for me. It was like, actually, I think you'll really like this. And I did. He was right. So um, he actually went as Shaun of the Dead for Halloween one year. Um, oh, and how, awesome. Yeah. What he did was so he got the white shirt and the red tie and everything. And he built the cricket bat. Ian is just phenomenal at building props. And does, does, does he know you can just buy a cricket bat? Well, he wanted it to be lightweight. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And also he was a broke art student and didn't have any money. So, uh, but what he did was he filled a sponge with wet paint, went out into the hall and just smacked the cricket bat onto the sponge. So he got the spatter. Then he painted over that and then continued doing that until it was chunky on the cricket bat. It was disgusting and it was amazing. That sounds awesome. It yeah. was very cool. And that year I went as the Corpse Bride. And so it was sort of our first foray into uh, into couples costumes, sort of. We've since gotten better at it. Almost. Yes, yeah, the same yeah. the same genre, at least. Yeah. So <laughs> That's great. But, yeah. So I do like this movie. I hadn't seen it in a while. So rewatching it for this podcast was a real treat. 
Yeah, I think I this is one that I watch a couple times a year just because I love it so much. <laughs> and it just it gets it gets better and better and you notice more details and like that's just the way Edgar Wright movies are written and directed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's that it's that old line from uh, whichever producer it was talking about Star Wars movies. It's so dense. Every scene has so <laughs> many jokes in it. Yes. And that's what keeps me coming back to it. And I just I don't know. I, I don't there's this is a perfect movie to me. Aside from, you know, there are some gay jokes that did not age well at all. But aside from that, like, this really does hold up. Mm-hmm. I agree. And the soundtrack is one that's it initially was not easy to come by because I think they only released it in the UK. And eventually they finally put it together and, and released it digitally in the US. That's how I first bought it. Um. And then I think it, it must be the, the rights issues to a couple of songs because there's a couple of big names on the soundtrack that a little independent movie probably didn't really have, you know, much wiggle room to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I've got I've got the digital soundtrack and I've kind of had to Frankenstein it back together because some of my files are uh, scattered across multiple devices. But also the um, the orchestral soundtrack is available on vinyl and that's totally worth picking up if Ooh, you get a chance. I'd love to look for that. Yes. Cuz uh, on, on top of like sort of the the uh 70s and 80s sort of um pop rock on the soundtrack, you've got a lot of sort of electronic um horror movie scores pieces a- along with like clips they just straight up stole from Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Like this movie is shameless in how much it steals from like old George Romero zombie films. I mean, yep. it's it's a it's designed and built as an homage to like the Romero zombie film, so of course it does. But like the way they use those pieces, like it really <laughs> just weaves them in there kind of nicely. Yeah, which I which I enjoyed a lot. Sort of picking out which ones I was like, okay, where do I remember that from? And then yeah, yeah. Uh, and so with the soundtrack, I think. We're going to have to go through this movie sort of beat by beat because the soundtrack is a little jumbled up. Okay. Um, that works so for me. So the very first thing we hear in the entire movie, um, but before we get into the plot, like I should point out that like no billboarding school segment this week. Like I could not find any data on how this album charted or if it did at all. Well, I think the fact that it wasn't released here probably had something to do with that and that it's only released digitally you know how do you track that in a digital age and i think we're going to start to see a shift Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so because if you can only buy if you you know could just buy one song if you feel like it then how do we how do we categorize how the album itself did it's going to obviously have an effect on those numbers exactly and it's also kind of in an era pre itunes even Mm-hmm. So we're like we we can't we don't have iTunes figures for like the Shaun of the Dead soundtrack. Now they did actually release it on sound on on CD after the fact, so it's available. You can go buy it if you want, but uh, at the time, just that that release didn't exist, so there's just no data. Hard again, hard media is important. It is. It absolutely is. <laughs> so, well, let's get into it. All right. Uh, so yeah, we'll just kind of take you through the plot of this film. If you haven't seen it, absolutely go and see the film before you listen to us jabber oh, yeah. on about it because it's great. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> you should not be listening to these if you haven't seen the film. Come on. Uh, yeah, and I, I almost suggested we do this as a, a uh, movie commentary so we could kind of point out all of the music cues as they came along. <laughs> just because the just because the movie is just so much fun to talk about. Um, but so yeah, the very first thing you hear in the entire film, aside from some kind of creepy horror orchestral numbers, is 
Ghost Town by The Specials. So let's take a listen. And this is playing in the pub. Yes. Where we first meet uh, Sean and the gang. Sean and his best friend, Ed, and Sean's girlfriend, Liz, and her best friends, David and Diane. Yes. In the the, the pub, the famous Winchester, which may or may not be named for the gun sitting above the bar. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'm not a huge fan of the specials. I mean, I just generally don't love ska, mm-hmm. but the specials just never really stood out to me. It's like, it's fine. It's okay. But I actually uh, already forgot that this was in here because <laughs> I got thinking of um, the other song, uh, The Blue Ra- the blue Wrath. Oh, yeah. That was the one I was thinking of. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, the specials Ghost Town is in there. But yeah, this is kind of like a prologue to that sequence. So. Yeah. But it kind of sets up the entire film. It does. Because uh, Liz is kind of politely raking her boyfriend over the coals for being the kind of person who just sits in a bar every night. And she starts telling him that, you know, uh, if she continues seeing him like this and coming to the bar with him, you know, she's just going to drink herself to death and just be an old hag going to a bar. And she doesn't want that. She doesn't want that for her. She doesn't want that for him. I'm just imagining her on Reddit. Just like my boyfriend is shiftless and has no ambitions and just hangs out at a bar every night. And, but other than that, he's really great. Am I the asshole for dumping him? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But she, you know, she has a point, and Sean is just that kind of person. He's he's stuck in, he's stuck in his like position in life, and he doesn't even know that he wants to get out yet. Uh, does this sound familiar? Um, this is, this is a lot of people I know. Well, I was gonna say clerks. Oh, this is yeah. essentially clerks with zombies. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say like it's a guy I know. He's talking to me right now. No, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, you're, that's true. I hadn't <laughs> thought about that though. Like it, it's very much is like uh, Dante and uh, Veronica. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And also with this song, um, like I said earlier, I had to kind of Frankenstein my playlist back together from other bits and pieces. So my mm-hmm. my version of uh, Ghost Town is actually labeled from the the soundtrack to the movie Snatch. Yeah, the specials get used a lot. They actually just had a new album out, which was all right. I reviewed it for Paste. I immediately forgot it existed. (laughs) But yeah, this is like one of those songs that like movies love to use to evoke kind of a creepy kind of spooky sound. I think it's in a Muppets movie. I'm not sure about that. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, specials are a very famous English band. So and they're they're pretty cool, I guess. It's if if you like ska, it's good. The song is fine. Whatever. And that leads into uh, the opening credits where uh, the Blue Wrath by iMonster is playing, which we heard uh, earlier in our opening credits sequence. That song rules. It really does. (laughs) And it's something you wouldn't think that I would like because it's like electro jazz. And this is the kind of thing that my husband is a little more into than I am. But 
I was I was surprised that I was kind of into it. I like kind of the sinister vibe mm-hmm. underneath it. Mm-hmm. Like it's a little bit cartoony, but make it evil. Yeah, and then it goes into this like this the second part that you don't hear in the movie. It kind of moves into this weird like kind of Nick Cave in the Bad Seeds sort of like disturbing darkness kind of kind of mood. Yeah, it's I, I like, like I don't I'm not sure how to describe it, but I like it. Yeah. So it's definitely it's atmospheric without sounding too much like a soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds a lot like the actual soundtrack score in the film. Mm-hmm. Like they they do a good job of of weaving those two together. Yeah, sort of meshing that. Yeah. Um but yeah, this is the sequence where we see uh you know people walking to work and um ravers coming home from a night out at the club and they're all kind of like they're they're basically zombies already Mm -hmm. and And it's like yeah sorry who's the real zombie it's like exactly for like life like any any good zombie movie has its its uh theme like where's its theme on its sleeve and Mm -hmm. this one is just you know uh early 2000s uh british kind of youth malaise because <laughs> the, the young people don't have any place to be and they, they it's just it's depressing yeah it really is <laughs> and that's where we find sean because there's kind of a backstory that isn't really spoken in the film about sean's relationship with liz and it's kind of that so it's it's said out loud that he met liz in greece at a rave and I'm just trying to picture Simon Pegg at a rave, and it's just, it's not coming to me. <laughs> well, if you look at the stuff around his apartment, his um, his posters, his t-shirts, his box that he holds all of his his uh, LPs in, you kind of get the impression that he was at one time a DJ. So it makes me think he was the DJ at the rave that he met Liz at. Yeah, I'm just not picturing him in, like, <laughs> leather pants with glow bracelets on. <laughs> Like sucking on a pacifier and wearing a mesh shirt, it's just not coming together for me. Well, if you sorry, okay. Simon. If you want to see that, I can point you to an episode of Spaced where that no, abso- thank you. absolutely happened. No, thank you. <laughs> okay, peace oh, out. Well. Oh well, but it's kind of implied in the movie that Sean left his dream job of being a DJ for Liz so that they could, you know, be normal people and build a life together. And the movie is kind of about him finding his place in the world and realizing that he can still be an adult and still do the things that he likes while also being a responsible person and a responsible, you know, partner. Is it? Because I feel like at the end, she gives up all her dreams because they are, she's like, oh, well, we'll go down to the pub. And I'm sort of like, Liz, you can do better than this. Like, we'll go to the pub and then we'll come home and watch the telly. Like, well, I mean, I feel crushed by the end of it. Really? I don't think I'm supposed Maybe that's because... The idea is like, oh, he gets the girl and he can relax and play video games and go to the pub and she sees his dreams. And I'm like, no, that's crushing. Go do other yeah. things, Liz. I guess. But I mean, because, yeah, because at the end, like all all of her friends are dead. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, you could see it both ways, really. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I think especially because women are a lot of times told to settle. True. And true. to not to not chase our dreams and to just like you know let the man do what he wants so i'm like no liz go back to greece go to that rave live your life yeah this is a message for all the lizzes out there i, I see it i, I definitely <laughs> see it um i don't know where to go from here 
<laughs> you cr- you crushed my one theory about this entire movie in, in a f- one small swoop. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> you just suck the fun out of everything. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you and Liz, I swear to God. <laughs> That's mean. I shouldn't say that. Moving on. <laughs> So yeah, the beginning of the fil- the film sets up Sean as this guy who, you know, he works at an electronic store, doesn't really want to be there, and he's kind of like a, a quote-unquote zombie like everybody else. But then he starts to notice things happening on, on the street. You know, he sees homeless people grabbing pigeons and trying to eat them. People are collapsing. People are running in terror. Uh, he's st- he's starting to read to read like newspapers and see what's going on in the world, but it's really not getting through to him what's happening. Yeah, he's a little dense. A little. (laughs) I mean, he's no Ed, that's for sure. (laughs) While Sean is on his commute on the bus, uh, he's got that zombie look on his face. And we hear the unmistakable tones of uh, Kerncraft 400 by Zombie Nation. Yes, let's listen to that, shall we? Go back to our rave days. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you been to a soccer game in the last 20 years? I guarantee you've heard this one. It's called football. And <laughs> I tell you. Um, this one is a little on the nose because it just keeps repeating zombie nation. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, we're in a zombie mm-hmm. movie. Yes. But um, this is just pure fucking Euro trash. <laughs> it really is. This is my friend, Julia Brandel. You still listen to a lot of this kind of stuff like this euro trash club music and i don't personally see the appeal but i mean i think it's neat how it's constructed but the idea of sort of listening to rave music while just like sitting at home in your underwear eating cheetos seems weird to me like it would make sense at a club but just like driving around buying groceries cleaning the cat box listening to uh zombie nation Current craft 400 seems odd or just sitting in an office and doing paperwork and just like bobbing your head to da na 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 i don't i don't get it yeah yeah but if they still if they still made jock jam cds this would be on one i <laughs> don't give them any ideas <laughs> jock jams 2000 <laughs> oh good lord christ how could you bring that up i had to at some point Jack jams or pure moods? Oof. Pure moods. Okay. Pure. Uh, give me a break, Libby. Pure moods. I don't know. You either want to be just like lulled to, into death or viciously beaten. Those are your two options for death. Which is which? Well, pure moods, you're lulled. Jack jams, you're kicked to death. I suppose. By some I... dude named Chad. While Sean is out and about in his daily life, you know, he's he's working at the electronic store um, and he's trying to be the team leader because, you know, the the bosses are out sick. And, you know, he's trying to like he's basically herding cats with all these like 17 year old kids who are do not want to be there. And he's what, 29? Yeah. What he says he is in this. Yeah, it was it was a rough year for me when I realized I was older than Sean. Yeah. Definitely. I was just like, oh, boy. I should be over this by now. (laughs) And this is where we get 
uh, one of the first lines that gets repeated throughout, which is that you've got some red on you. Look, I know you don't want to be here forever. You know, I got things I want to do in my life. When? You got red on you. Yeah. Because they never say blood, and it starts as a little red ink in his pocket. Yeah, he broke a pen, and it's starting to bleed out onto his shirt. Mm-hmm. And it's also it's also like it's pointed out by Rafe Spall, and it's also pointed out by Sean's stepdad, played by the amazing Bill Nye. Yes, who gets he he gets one of like the best in- introductions into any film. Like he's standing there, his back is turned, and then all of a sudden he does that pivot, and you you like you suddenly just see his face, and it's just shocking. And you <laughs> at this point, you know you're going to see a zombie film. So mm-hmm. when he's kind of shuffling there. You yeah. think, is this the first zombie? And it isn't. So it's such a great fake out. But then, of course, he does get bitten. Right. And does turn into a zombie. So. It, is, it is a beautiful piece of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So his stepdad, Philip, reminds him to bring flowers for his mom when he goes to visit. So the next scene, Sean is in the flower shop buying flowers. And over the radio, we hear Everybody's Happy Nowadays by the band Ash. Yes, and this is where we get into Under the Covers. Uh, this song was originally done by the Buzzcocks, mm-hmm. and this version is fairly close in tone it takes some some other weird approaches but um it's a it's little a li- trippier yeah and a little it's a little fleshier mm-hmm. in that extremely 2000s way where yeah. everything was just a little faster and a little heavier on the production and just thicker and uglier a little bit this version isn't bad it's the first of three ash songs we have on the soundtrack I just think the original in this case is far superior. Yeah, the it's, original is fantastic. Yeah, it's cleaner. It's a little sweeter. It doesn't have Chris Martin from Coldplay singing on it. Oh, I, I can't be mean to Coldplay. I like Coldplay just fine. I was in college in, you know, 2002. You had to like Coldplay. It's just how it is. It's like something we said uh, a while back on Christmas Creeps, you know, 2004 was 2004, but you should have known better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a girl. I can get away with it. I know. So, but uh, yeah, this, I don't know. And I, I'm pretty good about liking covers as much as the originals. This I'm going to side on the original. The judge mm-hmm. has spoken. Yeah. I mean, I honestly like take your pick. They're both good. And I, I don't uh, begrudge this one anything. I like it a lot. I just think, especially with this being such a fabulously British film, you would have gone with the original. Mm-hmm. Um, and Edgar Wright is good like that. I mean, we'll see the Smiths coming up. Um, the House Martins appear on uh, at World's End. We've got Queen. So I think, I mean, uh, Ash is an Irish band and they're fine. But Edgar Wright has such an affinity for sort of classic British music that well, I'm just surprised that he went with something as contemporary as not one, not two, but three Ash songs when you could have used the other two plus 
the original Buzzcocks. Well, there's a pretty good reason for that. And I think I, I forget where I heard it. I think it was on like the director commentary. Uh, Edgar Wright talks about like how while they were making the film at the time, he was dating the guitarist from Ash, Charlotte Hatherley. So that uh, might have had something to do with the fact that there are three Ash songs in this film. Okay, I will accept that. I still yeah. would have preferred the Buzzcocks. Yeah, and I think if he hadn't been dating her, it might have been the Buzzcocks. Okay. Noted. So, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll hear this song again later uh, in the film. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, let's move on to a uh, very, very next scene. Uh, let's just go out and say it. Liz dumps Sean. Yes. And because you know what? He's got it coming. Yes. Because not only did he not listen to a single thing she said at the beginning of the film, he actively forgot to book the table for the nice dinner that they were supposed to have together. And that was the last straw for her. Mm-hmm. And I think Reddit would agree. Reddit would absolutely agree. Am I the asshole here? No, you are not. He has it coming. He had it coming. So <laughs> <laughs> Sean and Ed are now grieving in the Winchester. Moping, Ed. more like it. M- yeah, mo- grieving is not the right word. Moping being sad sulking sulking ed is trying to cheer him up by doing a monkey impression and telling him stories about specifically it's clyde from any which way but loose yes yes specifically <laughs> and honestly it's a pretty good bit yeah <laughs> but it, but randomly or no i shouldn't take that back but all of a sudden as sean is being you know mr mopey the song If You Leave Me Now by Chicago comes on over the jukebox. <laughs> Let's take a listen. Why the hell not? If you leave me now, you'll take away the biggest part of me. Ooh, no, baby, please don't go. Now, now, Libby, I ask you, who the hell put this on? Well, I think the idea, because we see later when uh, Queen's Don't Stop Me Now comes on, I think the idea is that the jukebox is on random, which is great, because this <laughs> song is perfect. It's beautiful. It's a good song. It's I fine. Think, I'm not a big Chicago fan anyway. I'm not a big Chicago fan. I will send this one out to my Babylon sister, York Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a huge Chicago fan. I could care. I couldn't care less about <laughs> Chicago. Honestly, I'm just like, whatever. Um, that being said, I always thought it would be fun to open a restaurant uh, in Chicago called Pizza Terra. <laughs> I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> It's on. All right. Cap- our, our venture capitalists out there, g- get at us. We have the yes. perfect idea. <laughs> uh, but on the soundtrack, on the album, this is not the Chicago song. It's a remix called Soft by a group called Lemon Jelly. Which I refuse to accept. Yeah. because like, And so for the longest time, I thought that's what this song actually was called. No. Why? I, just, I, I was listening to that and I'm like, what even is this? Yeah, it's just a weird like remix of that song with with other crap from the movie put into it. And like, why do this? Why are yeah. we doing any of this? Yeah. We should yeah. at this point also point out that this is one of those soundtracks that likes to weave movie dialogue into the music. 
which you can only get if you actually have the the CD. See, I was listening to it a compiled list on Spotify. So I didn't get any of that. That's the way to do it. Because honestly, a lot of the stuff is really annoying. Oh, see, I love when they do that. They well, did I it like... on Tommy Boy. They did it on Clerks. I love it. No, I, like they on Tommy Boy and on Clerks, they're like their own tracks. But I'm telling you, they're they're actually putting the movie dialogue into the songs. Oh, yikes. Yes. No, That's thank what's you. annoying. <laughs> oh, boy. So the way you did it is the way you should be doing it. Okay. So... But yeah. although some of the versions like the uh, aren't accurate, they're mm-hmm. not the right versions. So yeah, you're, so your mileage may vary. Yes, basically. And it's at this point that Ed lays out the entire plot of the movie accidentally by telling <laughs> Sean what they should do the next day to get over Liz. You know what we should do tomorrow? Keep drinking. We'll have a bloody merry first thing. Have a bite of the king's head. Couple of the little princess. Stagger back here. Back at the bar for shots. How's that for a slice of fried gold? No. And it's just one of those jokes that really made me fall in love with the movie when you realize he's not saying this stuff out of hand. He's not saying it just to be saying it. It's a joke about the plot of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. It really is. And Edgar Wright is such a tight screenwriter. Mm-hmm. And nothing is wasted, which is something that I really love um, right now. And, and we've talked about this on the last couple uh, podcasts. The Righteous Gemstones is probably doing that better than anything else on television. Although yes. The Good Place is coming in second mm-hmm. for that, for just being so, so, so tightly written that when you don't see something coming, you're mad because you realize you should have seen it coming. Right, and it re- it also rewards like repeat viewings so that you can like see the joke once and be like, oh, that's funny. And then you watch it again, you're like, oh, they were setting this up the entire time. Yeah, it's brilliant, and they, yeah, Edgar Wright is a master of that. They really, really know what they're doing, and in, like it shows. Like this, <laughs> as a first feature film, this is kind of amazing. Yeah, it really is. This is a knockout debut. Yes, I cannot, I cannot gush about it enough. But let's move on. So uh, Sean and Ed leave the Winchester drunk as fuck. <laughs> and they're stumbling through the streets and they come across their first zombie. All the while, they are humming and singing along to Grandmaster Flash's White Lines. Don't do it. <laughs> and just for fun, let's just take, play a clip here. Sure. Vision, dreams of passion. And all the while, I think of you. Very strange reaction. The more I see, the more I do. Baby. So now on the soundtrack album, they actually do cut in the, the dialogue, that scene, into the Grandmaster Flash song. Okay, that would annoy me. It it does it is annoying, but also I feel like I feel like it's good and instructive because it kind of explains the joke to people who don't know that that's a Grandmaster Flash song. Because I know people who watch this movie and just think, oh, they're just humming incoherently because they're drunk. <laughs> they don't know that's a real song. Oh, boy. And so then to have this on the soundtrack, to have it kind of explain to them, it's, it is annoying. But also, like, I think, I don't know, it's probably a, a good a good thing to have just so that people know they're not just doing it to be goofy. Goofuses. Maybe. Maybe. But then at the same time, it's annoying. 
because mm. because this song is this is a great song, a great great early hip hop song. Yes, and that comes into play later when they're talking about. Uh, he yells at them for Pete, their roommate. Uh, he yells at them for playing their hip hop, and they're like, "No, it's electro." <laughs> right. So they they know their sort of hip hop credentials. Yes. <laughs> Which I think is so funny because it's just a bunch of like white British dudes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But you know. Everyone's allowed to enjoy hip hop. Everyone's allowed to enjoy music. Absolutely. Agreed. I don't know where I was going with that, but okay. Here we are. Here we are. Um, so do you want to take it from here? I do. This is where my expertise comes in. Um, I love how they do this scene. Uh, he wakes up, uh, Sean wakes up the next morning, you know, super hungover, and it's just sort of flipping on the telly. We're using the word telly now because we're British. And... Yeah, it's quite... It... <laughs> <laughs> it explains what's happening with the zombie apocalypse as he's flipping. Although no one official is prepared to comment, religious groups are calling it Judgment Day. There's panic on the streets of London. As an increasing number of reports of serious attacks on people who are literally being eaten alive. Among those, and this is where the movie won me over, um, was they show a clip of the Smiths singing Panic from... <laughs> Uh, their album Louder Than Bombs. And this is actually, this is the second time that uh, we feature the Smiths with everyone's yeah. favorite racist, Morrissey. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this one sounds like no Matchbox 20 song I've ever heard. Oh, shut up. <laughs> no, this song is the best. Um, this is a good one. This is a good one. <laughs> and the the story goes that the basis for the song was that Johnny Marr and Morrissey were listening to the BBC One when a news report announced that, you know, Chernobyl had melted down. Oh, God. And idiot Steve Wright, who was a BBC disc jockey, played the song I'm Your Man by Wham, like right after that announcement. And they're just like, what the fuck? Chernobyl just melted down and you're just going to play Wham? And so... That really influenced Morrissey's lyric, especially the line, hang the DJ, which is repeated over the end. Um, Later, he had a t-shirt with Wright's face and uh, hang the DJ written on it. The band (laughs) Panic at the Disco gets their name from this song because nobody's original. Of course they did. Yeah, which I've had to like explain to people. Actually, it's the Smiths. And uh, basically, the song is sort of bemoaning contemporary pop music. And which is one of those things like, shut up, old man. Uh, 80s music is so terrible. It's like, Morrissey, have you met the fact that you're Morrissey? Morrissey, have you met Morrissey? Yeah, guys, shut (laughs) up. But I do, I do love this song and I love how it's used uh, in this film. I am not sure where that concert footage is from. I don't know if it's Top of the Pops or what. Well, the channel said it was VH1, so I assume it was a music video. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe do a lot of music videos so not sure who knows yeah i feel like you kind of can't have a british movie without the smiths they're just so british they're so you know they just yeah. are they're they're the smiths like what, what what more can you say about them yes they should be in the rock and roll hall of fame and i'm mad that they aren't and i've taken this up with greg harris many times like buddy come on get them in the fucking rock and roll hall of fame 
let it be known that Libby wants a noted racist in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's plenty of racists already in the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame. What's one more? Okay, fair point. Point taken. <laughs> Why not? So curses foiled again. I don't want Morrissey solo. I want pre-racist Morrissey. The Smiths. And also because he won't show up and Johnny Marr will. And Johnny Marr is really the heart of the Smiths and everybody knows it. They should just induct the Smiths into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and where they have the big wall where everyone signs their name. They should just have Mike Nelson do it. Yes, exactly. Or to be like, oh, you know what, Morrissey? Uh, the dress code is leather and there's nothing but meat here. So I guess you can't come in. <laughs> so, okay. Sean and Ed first encounter... A zombie in their backyard, their garden, excuse me. We're British now. <laughs> and it's a, a service worker named Mary. And they assume she's drunk because she just has that look about her. See, I would have assumed uh, heroin because uh, when we were in uh, London in 2005, uh, my husband and I went to see Ewan McGregor in Guys and Dolls. And that's a different story for a different day. But uh-huh. when we were down in uh, Camden Market, we saw a zombie. I mean, it was, she was definitely oh, wow. like a strung out heroin addict. That's kind of what they look like. So that's just what I, my first guess, uh, it mm. wouldn't have been a drunk girl, but it would have been just a heroin addict, but they go with drunk girls. So yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a movie about a pub. So drunk yeah. girl. aren't all of them. What aren't all movies about pubs? No, or? all Edgar Wright movies. Oh, uh, Oh Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Shit. Wow. Anyway, so uh, Mary, this the quote unquote drunk girl zombie, who they discover is a zombie because Sean pushes her down onto a post of some kind and like the hole goes right through her and she just gets right back up. Yep. And then another zombie shows up and they realize some shit's going down here and they decide to attack these zombies with just whatever they can throw. So which seems to be household items. Yeah, my, my my favorite being just a toaster that just bonks right off of someone's head. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. And then they throw a record. But this the scene sec- breaks my heart. The second album Sean ever bought, which is an electro album of some kind. I thought he it said shatters. it was Blue Monday. The first record that they throw is like a record that Pete threw out the window in the, fir- the scene before that. Right. Okay. And then that gives them the idea like, oh, let's throw records. So they go get Sean's record box and they start digging through and finding shit to throw at the zombies. <laughs> And it's so upsetting. It it is because Ed, Ed just without thinking throws an original pressing of Blue Monday, ah, and then he this throws really the Batman is a horror sound- movie. And then he throws the Batman soundtrack, which I have to ask: is it Prince or Danny Elfman? Either way, it's bad. Yeah, those are all. Those are both bad. How could you? Dire Straits. Eh, okay. Yeah. Um, Sade. Eh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's Liz's. <laughs> It's Liz's, yeah, but she did dump him. Yeah, so they and then they just they you know, they go and get real real weapons. Like Sean gets a uh, a cricket bat. cricket bat, and Ed gets a shovel, and they beat the living shit out of these zombies. It's quite an extended sequence. And, like the music drops out, and you just see these two just pounding nothing. Like they're 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 doing it off screen, but you see them just like swinging these bats and these these clubs and just screaming louder and louder and louder. <laughs> like they're Sean is really just letting his frustration out in this scene. It's kind of great. Yeah. <sighs> and then they formulate their plan uh, to go pick up Liz and David and Diane and go someplace safe. Yes, they're also going to pick up uh, Sean's mom. 
Yes, because uh, she called, and not only is she fine, but Philip has been bitten. Yes, because uh, there were, uh, what is there? It's not muggers because <laughs> um, we realize that Pete has been bitten by a mugger. Yes. previously, and they have to. Uh, they find Pete in the shower as a zombie. Um, but and, and Philip just assumes that it's like drug addicts running around. Yeah. Um, but there's the line, we're coming to get you, Barbara, which is from Night of the Living Dead. George Romero didn't even realize that was from his movie until Edgar Wright had to explain it to him. That's hysterical. It's like the whole movie, like her whole character is built for that one line. But they really make it work. Like they put the mileage into that character later on. Yes, indeed. So Sean and Ed are formulating their plan of where to go and who to get and where to hole up. And they're doing it to like incidental music from the original Dawn of the Dead soundtrack by by Goblin, which is (laughs) fantastic. Yeah, this I thought was really neat that they they included that as we were talking about earlier. Yeah, because and also because like if you you hear it now and you just don't think of that as zombie movie music. No, it's very it it doesn't sound like yeah, spooky haunted house music. It's just very atmospheric and you're like, yeah. It's a yeah, it's like a, it's a little too jazzy and a little mm-hmm. too bouncy to be be horror music. Yeah. But, but that's why I love it cuz like you can play that any time of year and people won't look at you weird. It's not Halloween music. No. Not at all. But that's what but, makes it great. Yeah, exa- that, exactly. So mm-hmm. it's not you're not gonna hear it. It's not ooh spooky sounds from the spirit Halloween store. Exactly. <laughs> Though I have been known to play that soundtrack at work just in October well, yeah. in general. Because that makes sense. why why wouldn't why wouldn't you? But then exactly. people give you like look like what are you doing? It's <laughs> it's goblin, it's Dawn of the Dead. Shut up. Yeah. We have this. <laughs> Show some respect. Exactly. But then Sean and Ed hit the road like Sam and Max. <laughs> <laughs> Thank and you for that. You're welcome. That's like my my new favorite phrase. We're going to hit the road like Sam and Matt. That's a good line. <laughs> um, and then Ed puts in a cassette tape. Remember cassette tapes? They're coming back. Apparently. Are they really? Yeah. I was just reading an article. Apparently they don't have enough materials to make them. And it's like, don't let us. That's fine. We're running out of plastic, people. Yeah. You heard it here first. Just don't. No, it's fine. We don't need cassette tapes back. I assume it's 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 a, a residual effect from Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know. I think it has something to do with the youth. Yeah, kids love Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Whatever. Don't. No, we we've got records and digital. Those are that's it. You can have yeah. those two things. Digital for when you're on the go, records for when you're at home with a glass of wine or several as we figured out with Joe. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but Ed puts in a cassette tape, and all of a sudden, we are greeted to the dulcet tones of another Ash song. Oh, boy. This is this is the best Ash song, though. This is Orpheus. Let's take a listen. Yes. I love the dark streets of September As the air was cooling down As the air was cooling down I need the sunshine This one's not even on the soundtrack. It's just in the movie. Yeah, although it was on the playlist that I found. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to make a Shaun of the Dead playlist, you might as well include it. Yeah, so um, 
this one has that like hyper beat and ska trail. This is just not really my thing. This is just it's too early aughts for me. Mm-hmm. It's it's I mean it's very guitar driven, mm-hmm. and so it's very my thing. <laughs> <laughs> but also like it 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 takes you know the the Greek myth of Orpheus as kind of a, a metaphor for like breakups. And that's great. I it, it showed up in my life in a time where I needed it. Oh. And I will always love it for that. Yes. Um, I do like the chorus. It's got a really kind of like sunny chord progression that I dig. Yeah. And supposedly uh, it was written because uh, the lead singer, Tim Wheeler, auditioned for Moulin Rouge. He auditioned oh. for the role of Christian, which later went to my ex-boyfriend, Ewan McGregor. And Oh, no. What happened? It's a long story. Uh, He cheated on his wife, and also he just sucks now. Oh, yeah. And I've moved on to other people who know who they are. Yeah, we we know. We all know. I think I've made it abundantly clear. We we're we're very aware, and and your relationship is strained right now. We all know. (laughs) So, but uh, now where does because we've got another Ash song? We've got Meltdown. Now where does that appear on the soundtrack? Well, the movie kind of jumbles the two up like the first one we hear is orpheus while sean and ed are speeding off from their apartment in pete's car Mm -hmm. and um ed is having fun crashing his car into people (laughs) into zombies rather Ed is delightful he is a little kid in a toy shop i love it it's my favorite but but, uh it's the song orpheus is the one they play on their way to uh sean's mom's house and meltdown is the one they play on their way to liz's house Mm -hmm. okay yeah, they sound enough alike that I think they were expecting people to just not notice. Well, I don't know. I thought Meltdown definitely has more of like those dirt metal drums and the sort of modulated vocals. And again, mm-hmm. it's just like violently 2004. Yeah, just, it, it really it's is. It's like a reminder. And it's not, it's better than Nickelback, but like, are we really kidding ourselves? Yeah, it's 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 in that same wheelhouse as stuff like the Hold Steady and the Fratellis, where like it's just kind of songs meant to be drunk to. <laughs> but I like it. I don't know how to explain myself. I love the Hold Steady. They're great. No. <laughs> so Sean picks up Liz and David and Diane because he needs to save them, not because he's you know distraught and he wants to get back into her good graces although that's definitely in play yeah he just he just wants to like do right by the people that he knows and loves because holy shit zombies are attacking which i really appreciate that it's not this sort of tactic to get back into her pants yeah and even uh ed asks him like why liz like because i love her like it's genuine yeah like he doesn't even have to think about it Mm -hmm. he's gonna go save her and her annoying friend and her awful, her awful friends. What is it? Um, I like Diane. A failed actress and a twat. Yes. So, but although <laughs> uh, Diane may be a failed actress, but it comes in handy later. It re- it does. It really mm-hmm. does. Di- Diane, by the way, is played by uh, Lucy Davis. Who, if you've watched the UK version of The Office, you know she's the UK Pam. She plays Dawn on that show. And that character and this character are so completely different. Because <laughs> <laughs> Dawn is very mousy, very quiet. And then and then Diane just, when she starts talking, she won't shut up. I know. I love Diane. She's an, actu- she's an actress. Yeah. That's, that's her character. She's great. <laughs> uh, but so the whole gang is piled into the car and they're racing towards the Winchester. Yes. And then 
Phil dies after a very touching speech about how he just always wanted Sean to be successful. He dies, but comes back to life. Yes. And that's scary. And it's, it's, it's scary and very sad. And like, that's, that's, that's the movie in a nutshell. Like they can pull those emotional strings, but also just freak you the fuck out. Yeah. Because, and especially because they haven't quite explained to Barbara what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And she's still like, you know, don't say that he's, you know, because she he says he keeps repeating like oh he's not my dad and she's like this isn't the time and he says no it's not it's no longer your husband it's he's a monster essentially mm-hmm. they escape ed's car because phil is a zombie now mm-hmm. and in the mad dash to escape ed's car they kick the cassette tape back into the player <laughs> and we get i i think one of the better songs on the soundtrack i'm gonna say uh, Mr. Mental by the 80s Matchbox B line disaster. See, I honestly don't know much, or rather anything, about this band. It's just, I think, first of all, I think the name of the band is extremely cool and stupid at the same time. <laughs> 80s, Matchbox, B, Line, Disaster. I love it. So I don't know anything about these guys. I was kind of hoping you might be able to enlighten me, but if not, that's okay. No. Nope. But uh, this is, I don't know, I don't really know how to describe the song either, because it's very, um, it's very eccentric. It doesn't have the kind of the, the same rock sound that the Ash songs do, and it doesn't quite sound like the Smiths. It's got this very, again, kind of like a Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds kind of vibe to it. But like if Nick Cave tried to rock out, I could see more that. than he typically does. I don't know, but this is definitely a song that like sounds freaky when you're driving through a neighborhood, like I did the other day when I was listening to this. <laughs> And actually, the whole soundtrack kind of sounds like that. Like you drive through, like driving through like suburban anywhere in October. It's cloudy, the leaves are falling, and you're listening to Shaun of the Dead. And just it, things don't seem right. Yeah, it's definitely got that. It's like metal macabre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, I think, because this song definitely heightens that tension, and that it's it's almost like a jump scare as a song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you you're dealing with the zombie, and now you've got this like loud, weird music, and it's all just so chaotic. It just goes back to how good Edgar Wright is at knowing when and where to use music, mm-hmm. because he knows what songs work, you know, coming out of a car stereo. He knows what songs work as like non diegetic music, and it all fits together. Yeah, and not afraid to just use like small pieces of them. We don't yeah, have absolutely. to. This doesn't function as a music video. No. In places no. it does. I mean, obviously there's we're, you know, getting to one of the big set pieces. But yeah, they, they's not afraid to just play one line of panic. Right. And then, I mean he's 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 able to like just take that and use that as a joke because like people will recognize it and get it and know what he's doing mm-hmm. with it. And that's enough. Yeah, you don't have to waste everybody's time with it. Because and I think I think he knows this. If you really want to listen to it, here's the soundtrack. Exactly. You're here for the movie, not for the music. Exactly. Now, having said that, <laughs> we're about to get into like one of the bi- the bigger, better set pieces in the entire movie. Yes. Uh, because to kind of make a long story short, they finally make their way into the Winchester. Uh, by pretending to so- be zombies. 
by pretending to be zombies with Diane's direction, because she's an actress and she knows how to do these things. And also, uh, as Sean and Ed have a a kind of lover's spat right in front of everybody <laughs> and the zombies and God and the world, because Ed is a consummate fuck up and Sean is tired of his bullshit. Yeah, he takes a phone call. It's weird, isn't it? Oi, what are you doing? What am I doing? What are you doing, you stupid moron? Fuck off. You fuck off. Fuck fucking off. <sighs> he takes a fucking phone call in front of zombies. Yeah. And it's just, it's so silly. It's so silly and so stupid. Mm-hmm. But then, then David pulls a do the right thing out of nowhere and throws a trash can through the window of the Winchester. Although it's arguably the right thing because now they're exposed. And as Sean points out, you could have just gone around the back. But yeah, so Sean leads the zombies away while everybody else gets in the, into the Winchester, comes back and discovers that the zombies have followed him. Mm-hmm. The first zombie they contend with in the Winchester is uh, the bar owner, the bartender, who Ed thinks may be connected with the North London Mafia. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, uh, a Queen song comes on the radio because they've or comes on the jukebox because they've just reconnected the power. Yes, and uh, Ed points out that it's on random. Yes, and this is also the problem: is that this, like the arcade machine that he was playing is going to attract the zombies. Right. So not only are they having to contend with the actual zombie that's inside, they have to figure out how to stop the music because it's just going to make things worse. Mm-hmm. And that song is Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Let's go to a clip. Having a good time. I'm a shooting star leaping through the sky Like a tiger defying the laws of gravity I'm a racing car Now, what I want to do is play this play like of the full two minutes of the song that the movie uses, because the movie literally just like starts the song and lets it play for two full minutes. Yeah, as they sort of rotate the camera around as they're smacking, uh, smacking him in rhythm. Yes. And, and then, uh, meanwhile, David's going around back to try and, like, hit the breakers, and he's flipping the switches in time with the music. And Barbara and Diane are sort of bobbing along to the music. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And this song, this is, uh, it's nice, this is our second Queen song. Yeah. So, yeah. in so many weeks, um, it's good we're getting, and we don't have to do Bohemian Rhapsody. We will, we never have to. Nope. Though this song is featured in Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. So, but it's better used here. I love this song. How can you not feel pumped when you hear this song? You, really? You can right? do anything. You can fight zombies. You can run a marathon. You can do whatever you want when you hear this song. It's party music. It's workout music. It's fighting zombies music. It's everything. Yes. It's great. It's hard to pick a favorite Queen song. This ranks up there for me. Although I probably have to say Killer Queen. Mm. Or Fat Bottom Girls. Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh... Don't make me do it. <laughs> Don't make me. I can't pick. It's like picking my favorite of 200 children. <laughs> this will not be the last time Queen. This is not gonna be even going to be the last time we talk about Queen on this soundtrack, but this will definitely not be the last time we talk about Queen on this podcast. Absolutely not. A, a great like production that was like the way they got that scene done was like every actor had uh, a wireless earpiece in their in their ear that played the Queen song so that every t- every, for every take, they were all listening to the song the same beat. So they could all, you know, do things in time. That's in tandem. the best. 
like just small, simple, obvious little tricks to like get that film done. It's God, it's so beautiful. It's beautiful how, it is. how good this movie is. It's it really like a is. Swiss watch. I love it. <laughs> but they finally, uh, quote unquote, kill the queen. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's an extremely British gag. It's an extremely British gag. And then the zombies show up. All of and them. Th- this is when the movie really kind of switches gears into like full blown like zombie horror mode. Mm-hmm. Like Dawn of the Dead, like all of the Romero films eventually just become an like the last act is all gore, all horror, all mm-hmm. terrible. And Shaun of the Dead's really no different. Because it really starts to put the screws to the characters and make things worse and make things terrible. And it stops being funny. Yeah, I mean, there's some funny moments, but it mostly, it just, it goes straight for, in a lot of ways, I, I hate to say the heart, because, you know, yeah, it's not saccharine, but he has to kill Barbara, who is bitten while they were getting to the Winchester. And there's, I mean, there's first an argument about, between uh, Sean and Dave, about his mom but part of it's about how he treats liz because dave is in love with liz which upsets diane and so shocks liz and all it's kind of all the secrets are coming out right i mean it's i don't want to say drama but it's like it's the real dramatic kind of weight of the movie right there yeah and and it works it really really works as you get you realize that like you know, Sean and David never have never liked each other, but like the, everything's coming to a head now where they're they're at they're at a point where they can kill each other if need be, and they almost do. Yeah, and and because yeah, Dave is asking him to do something so horrific, and and or isn't even asking him to. He's just gonna shoot his mom. Yeah, just do it himself, and without recognizing what that means and you know he can he can brush it off as well she's going to be a zombie who cares you have to but it's still his mom and he's, he's right. going to want to say goodbye and he's been through a lot so but then but then the zombies break in and just all hell breaks loose yeah they take dave um i like that they it's one of the few funny bits in this whole sequence they rip Dave's legs off and then Diana's like beating back the zombies with the legs, but then she's lost. Yeah. She like runs out into the zombie crowd ostensibly to save him, even though he's already like well past dead and a jerk. Yeah. Like, why did you want him back now anyway? Yeah. He's all blood and guts. It's gross. Mm-hmm. But and um, he was in love with your friend and only dated you to get close to her. Mm-hmm. To, you all, deserve to better. The- to the point of apparently living with her, which is creepy enough. Yeah. Dave, Dave's gross. Dave's the worst. <sighs> he got what he deserved. Yes. He got what he deserved. This is an anti-Dave podcast. This is an anti-Dave podcast all the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, then Ed is gets... a twat. <laughs> even though he is a twat. It plays the, the end. We don't even have to talk about the way this movie ends, because if you've seen a zombie film before, you know how these things end. Well... Yeah, the um, we neglected to mention that Ed gets bitten. Ed, Ed gets, gets bitten very badly bitten by Pete, who as a zombie follows them to the Winchester. Yeah, Pete's a jerk too. Yeah, so, so it, it all comes back around in the end. And there's a kind of a touching moment where Liz and uh and Sean are they're thinking like, well, should we kill each other? 
like kill you and then kill me because they have two bullets left in the rifle at the Winchester that does work. Um, and dogs can look up. We all learn. We all find that out. Yes. Yes. And she grabs some cigarettes out of the bin and they light a final cigarette for Ed because they're going to essentially leave him behind. They have to. So, because he's going to become a zombie. And then as she lights the, the lighter one la- for that one last cigarette, they discover the barrel lit to the street has, you know, a remote control that will let them out into the street. Mm-hmm. And they have their means of egress. They can escape. And then Sean and Ed have to say goodbye because Ed is not going with them. No. And, and it's, it's a it's a, a very harrowing scene. Yes. Um, but they get out just in time for special forces to come and mow down all the zombies. Along with, and we didn't mention this person earlier, Sean's old friend Yvonne, who, who finds them and takes them to safety. Yes. Good old Yvonne. Yes. Um, and then cut to six months later, Sean and Liz are watching TV and they're seeing all of the, 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 um, the news coverage of like, you know, Z day six months out and, uh, all of the wacky stuff that's been going on with the zombies since then. They find out that zombies are perfect people to work in grocery stores (laughs) and they use them for like game shows, like a show called fun dead, which I think it's a great gag. Oh boy. But then, you know. Sean wants to go out into the garden for a minute and Liz lets him go. And there we discover that Sean has retrieved zombie Ed, brought him back to the the backyard and they play video games and the film is over. Oh, alas. As, as we hear, as we hear the the first strings of the, like the final song on the soundtrack, Queens, you're my best friend. Oh, this is also a good song. Uh, Have you ever put this on a mix for anybody? I have not. Oh, no, I have. I yep, my friend Jason. This this is my best friend Brad's favorite Queen song. Oh, Brad! Par- partly because of this movie. So he and he and his wife are about to have about to have a baby. So all the love in the world to Brad. Yes, way to go, Brad! So you're this podcast's best friend. Absolutely, he is. And <laughs> it's it's such a sweet moment to end such a horrible like third act on, you know. Yeah. Sean and Ed can can play video games together still, and sh- like Sean has kind of put away his childish things, even though they're still kind of there. Mm-hmm. But we don't see what's become of Sean and Liz after that, so we really don't know. Yeah, we may never know. I don't know. I get the sense that she came. <sighs> I, I hope not. I, I just want them to be happy. Oh. So, well, sometimes happiness comes from a woman shoving her dreams down and just making a man happy. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but I get the distinct feeling that Sean is never going to be, you know, a DJ in Greece ever again. I don't think so. So this movie ends on a sad note. Now we're all sad. After a zombie apocalypse, we all have to settle in one way or another. <laughs> Um, I, they got the sweet flat to themselves, though. They do, yeah. There's no more Pete. There's no more Ed, really. Pete. Oh, so that's that's Shaun of the Dead, and the last song we hear on the on the on the film as the the final credits are coming up is a full reprise of Everybody's Happy Nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I mean that's that's like the the best like one two punch to end the song in the film is like you get you're my best friend, which kind of brings out you know the Shaun and Ed friendship to a close. Yeah, and then kind of the the, the final coda. Everybody's happy nowadays, so. We're all happy. We're all happy here. It's all good. It all worked out. 
All right. Well, how do you think this holds up as a soundtrack? Uh, I think it holds up really well, especially considering like we didn't really talk much about this, but there's also on the soundtrack lots of uh, like the orchestral stuff from Dan Mudford and Pete Woodhead, who also did the scores for um, the TV show Spaced, which Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright mm-hmm. worked on. Yep. Um, and it's it's great. Like It kind of weaves in electronic music and sort of your traditional kind of horror score music with a little bit of that zombie kind of goblin kind of vibe to it. I I think this it's fantastic stuff, really. Like it depends on how you feel about that kind of rock music, basically. Yeah, I kind of liked it. I uh, I enjoyed it when I listened to it. I don't know how much I would uh, I would continue to listen to, but it was definitely an enjoyable mm-hmm. soundtrack. Might have to put the Blue Wrath on a Halloween mix. Ooh. If I ever get around to holding one of my cool Halloween parties again, that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. I will say though, like if you can get your hands on the um, the orchestral soundtrack on vinyl, like Mondo put out a great you know vinyl release for that, and I I've been playing it you know every every year every Halloween for a couple of years now. Is it like a blood spatter, or what does the vinyl itself look like? Let's have a look. See, I got it right here. All right. It is mine. Is solid red vinyl. All right. Still, it's, it's solid red, so it's it's not great. I mean, it's not blood splatter, but it's good enough and it has uh, across the the label this in giant letters electro (laughs) because as ed as ed told us it's not it's not uh hip-hop it's electro yes this is a very (laughs) important distinction so definitely check that out if if you can (laughs) get your hands on it yes indeed so yeah that's Shaun of the dead everybody my favorite movie I think partly because it really spoke to where I was when I was like 18 or 19 when it came out. Fighting and zombies? Fi- well, a listless young adult who didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. <laughs> and I, I, as I've grown up, I kind of appreciate it more, partly as like a time capsule, but also just um, also just because it's kind of the beginning of the real true beginning of where I was as like a young film nerd in 2004 because it's like it came out like the semester i started college so it's it's always gonna mean something to me way to make me feel old Eh. (laughs) we're listen we're all old here yeah you're right (laughs) ah so that was uh shawn of the dead i hope everybody uh enjoyed that and gets a chance to go listen to the soundtrack because it's a definitely a fun a fun listen it is especially around the halloween season uh Mm -hmm. but libby what are we doing next time on the show so, well, you know, I've realized that uh, living in the sixth dimension can be tough. So I think we're going to go a little further down. We're going to go into the Forbidden Zone with uh, the 1980 film Forbidden Zone. Oh, all right. We've got a Danny Elfman soundtrack with uh, uh, Susan Tyrell and Danny Elfman as Satan. Oh, boy. <laughs> and it's going to get fucking weird. But that's going to be our, I thought that'd be a good Halloween episode. Yeah, that sounds good. If you want to uh, do your homework on this episode, it is available on Amazon Prime and a couple other sites to watch for free. So yes. go check that out. And um, the soundtrack actually was a uh, Record Store Day special edition a couple of years back. So Ooh. I'm going to crank up the uh, my lime green vinyl, which I've only listened to a few times. Because it's they they printed very very few copies and my friend Adam got me one so shout out to Adam oh nice yeah he's a good dude 
Cool, cool, cool. All right. Uh, so that's going to do it for the OST part of this week. Uh, if you've got questions or comments or uh, suggestions for future episodes, you can send those to us on Twitter at OST Party. Uh, email us at OSTPartyPod at gmail.com. Go to iTunes, or I guess now it's Apple Music. They made the switch over recently. And, or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. Uh, leave us a star rating and a review, please. We would really appreciate it. Yes. Um, Do it. And let people know that this is a show that you love and enjoy and want people to get into as well. Cause Share it with your friends and your family. Yes, we are a growing show and we have all kinds of fun stuff lined up for the rest of the year. That's a lie. We don't have anything. We're making it up as we go along. But they don't know that yet. They don't. All right. Uh, so Libby, <laughs> where, where can our listeners find you on the internets? You can find me at Libby Cudmore on Twitter, or you can find me on Instagram at record underscore Saturday. You can also uh, catch me talking more about Walton Goggins at uh, on the Shattered Shield podcast. Nice. Where can they find you, Joe? Uh, I am on Twitter at Cordial Wombat, and also I am the host of a podcast about Christmas movies called Christmas Creeps. You can find us on Twitter at Christmas Creeps. We still have not done our Halloween episode yet, uh, so Lord willing and the Creek Don't Rise, that'll come out pretty soon. Oh, boy. All righty. Uh, so for OST Party, I am Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. How's that for a slice of fried gold?